You're listening to the Oaks Church, a faith family located in Denham Springs, Louisiana. For more information about the Oaks, visit oaksonline.org. Chapter 34, the Psalms in verse 4, I sought the Lord and He answered me. He delivered me from all of my fears. For those who look to Him are radiant, and their faces shall never be ashamed. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him, saved him out of all of his troubles. And Elaine, the angel of the Lord, encamps around those who fear him and deliver them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Father, this morning we, that song is an invitation. It's an invitation to more than feeling good. It's an invitation to more than responding to emotion. Father, it's your invitation to us this morning to look to your word and let it reign over our lives. To taste and see that you are good. Lord, to look to the Psalms to see the relationship between the psalmist and you, Father, how we as your church should desire the same to be delivered from our enemies when we are pressed and crushed to know that you provide peace and comfort. Holy Spirit, as we look to the Word, move it in us to respond. Not because we feel like it, but God, because it is your command. And that our desire is to be a blessing to you in obedience. So thank you for the invitation through song and your word to look and to examine the letter that Peter, first Peter, but also the heart of the psalmist. So we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So this morning we will continue in First Peter chapter three. Let me invite you to open your word there. First Peter chapter three, verse eight. Um, we had a, an exciting time to examine last week that first passage, the little verse there that. But I want to pick up where we are in verse 8, verse 9, and we'll continue through to verse 12 this morning. But we're going to continue in this line of thinking and thought of harmony and what harmony looks like and what living honorable to one another looks like through commitment to each other, to the Word. Last week we looked into having a humble mind, humility, Humility being the essential living of harmony. We see Christ, we see that example in our Savior. To continue in the Father's will to come and to wade in the Jordan as we studied at men's group Monday night. To wade with wretched sinners. The spirit of gentleness, the spirit of God to come upon Christ, our Savior. Just the message and just the picture of humility that we see there. But then we looked into a tender heart in verse 8 as we were challenged 
That tenderness not only cares, but it does something that it cares for. It's easy for us to look into a situation to see a need. But when the person is in that situation and they can't find the need, they can't help themselves, a tender heart goes like a shepherd goes after the sheep. Like a husband to a wife, a wife to a husband, a friend to a best friend, a brother to a sister. That led us to our third thought, this brotherly love, this affection that goes far greater in our community than our mere responsibility. It was a commitment that we looked at. This brotherly love and then sympathy. When you look to someone, you want to understand in kindness. Not try to understand them because they're walking through a specific situation because that situation and circumstance is their race that God has given them to run. It is their thorn in their side. It is their place in life. But we look unto them with an understanding of the Word of God and how we can help as a church. How we can respond to the Word and ministering the Word to those. Showing sympathy. Having sympathetic kindness and compassion. But that word understanding. And then lastly, a unity of mind. To think the same. Have like-mindedness. And we asked the question last week, how is this accomplished? By the Word of God. That everything that we talk, everything that we do, the Gospel was good enough. And that the question we would ask is what does this holy book have to say about a specific thing or situation that you're in? How to respond as sons of God. This chaotic world, our harmony is going to preach the gospel. The way we love one another in kindness and tender hearts. It's going to be attractive to those who constantly live in turbulence. They're going to want something greater than the life they have. And as a church, they should be able to turn to the picture that we painted and say, I want that. That's what I want. What makes y'all do that? It's Jesus. The mercy of God. The grace of God. So as we continue in this line of thought, we'll look at some of the Psalms. Peter references the Psalms this morning, but specifically in Psalms 5.12, it says, For you bless the righteous, O Lord. For you bless the righteous, O Lord. You cover him with favor as with a shield. And then Psalms 103.1, it says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, all that is within me, bless His holy name. So as we continue to look into what this harmony is, we're going to learn this morning that God has delivered us and called us to be a blessing to one another. And our blessing of one another will foster harmony. It's wonderful. And this principle not only will work within the church body, this principle works in your workplace, in your families, and in all of your relationships, all of the above. So tune in. Let your heart be wrecked for a moment if it needs to. Let it be challenged because it's so important that we address the issue and the topics that we'll talk about this morning in the American church specifically. So let's look to our passage we're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 3. I'm going to start with verse 8. 
because it works together perfectly and it's supposed to. As we look, it says, finally, all of you have unity of mind, these things we just discussed, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil. This is what we'll pick up this morning. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. For to this you were called, that you may obtain a blessing. For whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. As we look to that verse 9 there, it says, Do not repay evil for evil, or reviling for reviling. But on the contrary, bless. Bless. For to this you were called, that you may obtain a blessing. Let's sit there for a moment in verse 9 as we look. We are called to bless. And why are we called to bless? Because it combats evil. Blessing combats evil. It combats those who abusively speak against us abruptly. The reviler. Those who revile. We need to practice ways of blessing others. So practically this looks like first and foremost praying for those who sin, more specifically the non-believer's salvation. Pray that God will show mercy as He has shown mercy upon us. On those who sin against you. Pray that those who sin against you in the church, that a spiritual work in his or her life will become evident. Pray for the work of the Word and the work of the Spirit will allow you and I to be a witness of His power. And as we see that work, we begin to express Thankfulness. We bless in thankfulness. We find ways to serve those who work against us. Can this be any more counterculture to the American church? Or in not American church specifically, but the American way. So as we begin to work out and find ways to serve our enemy, to serve those who have sinned against us, We express this thankfulness. And it's easy to express this thankfulness when it is good. Would you agree? But how about when those sin against you, how do we learn to express thankfulness at that point? In our affliction? Someone working against us, grinding against us? What? How do we relate? How do we prove being thankful? What is it doing in our lives when we see this evil or we see someone's sin against us and working against us? It puts us in position to relate to what? The cross. So for us to be thankful in affliction and suffering, we must immediately trust and turn to the work that Jesus did on the cross. Therefore, we are able to relate with the Christ and be thankful because it is working in us to be more like Him. Uh, Everything I say here, I process. This is a tough one. But it's something we need to learn to do as a church. 
And not just specifically as a church body, but individually as a believer of Christ. I don't stand before you to tell you to to stay in harm's way. Please, protect yourself. But as you find a haven of protection, if there is sin working against you, you pray. As Paul would find himself shipwrecked on an island, exiled, persecuted, finds himself being thankful as well. And he's thankful for one reason. Because he understands that there is something bigger happening in a larger picture. And we recognize that this sin working against us is just the reality of the war that you and I are in. So we're able to combat that, the evil, the those who are working against us, the sons of the devil, we are able to combat that by looking to the cross. But then let's look to each other. How are we to be thankful? We encourage. We don't encourage by opinion, we encourage by the Word of God. Because the Word of God at the end of the day, is the staple by which you and I are able to live in this unity, in this harmony. So we encourage one another with the Word. And most importantly, that you and I must desire to see God's work in the life of those who work against us. There's really only three ways we can live. We can return evil for good, and that's just wicked. We could just be evil and do evil against those who are good, and that is wrong. That is our flesh. That is depravity. It is finest. That is just sin nature within us. We fight that. This is wicked. We can return good for good and evil for evil. That is human. That's what the world wants, correct? You do bad to me, I do bad to you. You do good to me, I do good to you. But then there's a third way we can live and we can return good for evil. But this is divine. This is the power of the Gospel. And we see it no greater work displayed in this fashion than who? Jesus Christ on the cross. So once again, we're able to relate with Him as we do good against those who do evil to us. Where are you in this line of thinking in your spiritual life? Is this something new this morning that you're hearing? This is something that you're working with with a coworker. Very easy. Someone who just works and works against you. You've got to be understand and be the best you can to understand that we are to bless and to be a blessing. We have to look to the work of Christ. So why bless? Because verse nine tells us that. We are called. It says, do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless for this you were called. As a Christian, we were called into this position under Christ to one body, one faith, one spirit, one baptized, baptism under one God. This is the blessing of grace given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, ask this question, who were, who were we before we were called and given by the grace of God and the grace of God? Who were we? We were no different than our enemy. We are no different than the enemy working against us before God places grace upon us. 
We have, cannot forget that we are no different than the one who is sinning against us. You and I were enemies of God. We found ourselves before God until He chose to show mercy to you and I as a church. God blessed us. He chose to even when we were His enemies. He adopted us and called us child. Have you forgotten it? Have you forgotten your adoption and God showing mercy in your life? Blessing you. Peter urges and reminds us, on the contrary, bless. But we were called to bless. And we were called to bless because God has shown blessing to us. In our marriages, our relationships, in our church body, the ground for Christian good will towards others is this. Even our enemies. It is mercy that we receive from God. And if we know that we've received this mercy and grace, should we do the same to our enemies? Let that sit. Understanding this call, this God's mercy in our lives, will move us confidently. Remember, I'm not saying that if you find yourself in harm's way that you stay there. That's not what I'm saying. You don't take on physical persecution because somebody's just being evil. Now, if you find yourself in prison for proclaiming the Gospel by all means, take it. But what I'm saying here is you move confidently. We are faced with evil. And this evil and somebody's sin is going to run very deep into you. It's going to pierce you, you know, like a nail to a tree. And then when we turn to Christ, we understand that if Christ can work in me, He can work in our enemies. We have to. We have to remember the mercy that God shows us. And a dear friend and brother and mentor has always reminded me that we have not learned to love like Jesus until we learn to love a Judas. Our Savior washed the one who would betray, washed His feet. At some point in our life, all of us have found ourselves in position as a Judas to Jesus. We can't forget where we've come from. Even in our wandering ways and our disobedience, in our unfaithfulness, God is still showing us mercy when we leave these four walls. That should stir in us to do the same for those who need Jesus Christ. So where does this truth this morning settle with you? Where is it at? Where is it resonating? Do you find yourself, when you look to an enemy, when you look to your family, when you look to your spouse, when you look to the church, and when you look to God, do you this morning, Christian, Find yourself aiming to be a blessing. It should change our thinking radically. It's an evil world out there. We've heard stories last week. We see it on the news. We see people every day facing Evil and evil fighting evil. We are to combat evil with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when our enemies, when we find ourselves with our enemies speaking against us, 
we need to turn to the one who speaks for us. Don't try to do it on your own. We all know that we will find our flesh rising up. That human good for good, evil for evil. But when you see someone unfairly doing business with you, stand for truth graciously, mercifully. That may be the last transaction that you have with that client. But you know that you have left that situation displaying and honoring Jesus Christ the best way you can. We are to reflect that good news. And like David who calls on the Lord for His rock and strength, we need to be saved by our enemies. So wherever you are this morning, Jesus fights for you. Let Him fight through you. Through His Word, through prayer. 1 Corinthians, Paul 4, 10-13. Listen to this. Listen to the condition of the church here. We are far from this. This should give us comfort. We are fools for the sake of Christ. But you are wise in Christ, Paul writes. We are weak, but you are strong. You are held in honor, but we are disrepute. To the present hour we hunger and thirst. We are poorly dressed and homeless. And we labor, working with our own hands. And when reviled, we bless. When persecuted, we endure. When slandered, we entreat. They pray. And we have become and are still like scum of the world, the refuse of all things. Paul is very honest in his letter. You and I should find comfort that the Lord does not have us there. However, that should spur us on to pray for those who are there. As a church, there are brothers and sisters who are facing persecution right now. We cannot turn the blind eye to that. We as a church must continue the Oaks body to be a blessing to those who are serving in all areas of the globe. As we're a blessing to one another week in and week out, monetarily and going and sending, we should be a blessing to those that we do not see week in and week out. So are we as a church a blessing? Are we as individual Christians blessings to one another? Are you as a co-worker a blessing? Are you as a husband and wife a blessing to one another? This gift graciously given by God. Then we continue to look. He says, yes, you are called to bless But the good news also is that you may obtain a blessing. To obtain this blessing, what does it mean? I believe it's followed up. If you look in verses 10 through 12, it explains this blessing that we once again can attain. And we attain it. And if you look at verses 10 through 12, we're going to see God's work in his sovereign and infallible word. Because he's to see, Peter is going to turn to the psalmist. And as he turns to the psalmist, He's going to use it to show if this is what you do, this is the promise of blessing of God. But let's look at it real quick. For the second time in 1 Peter, he's looking for clarity and strength from the psalmist. You know, we just read in Psalms 34, 8, taste and see that the Lord of God, he referenced this in chapter 2, verse 3, as he wrote the letter. And then he, he says now that 
we are tasting and seeing the goodness of God, how is this accomplished? The same way that we receive the blessing. Psalms 34, 12 through 16, he returns in verse 10 through 12 of chapter 3 of 1 Peter. He says, For whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from the evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Very simple here. If you desire to love and have good days, refrain from an evil tongue and do not speak deceit. Do not lie. Be honorable. We are to represent Christ in a way that we do not speak with our tongues in evilish ways. We do not speak deception upon each other as church, but also those that we encounter. And he says also, if you desire to live in peace, turn away from evil. Turn away from the evil and do good. If you desire for the Lord to open His ears and hear your prayers, confess the evil, confess the sin that resides in you and live righteously in the eyes of Christ. If you want the Lord to fight for you, He says that He will fight against those who do evil. If you want Him to fight for you, you must escape and flee from evil. Lays it out very clearly here. And He's reminding us as we refrain from evil and we love to see the good days. It's easy to see the good days, but with Christ, our perception is able to change when the bad days come and we know that God is working out all things for those who love Him for His good and His glory. Therefore, bad days become good. That's important to grasp as a Christian. That suffering, affliction, turbulent times, when life appears financially, I get maybe they may be self-inflected, but outside of that, even in that, God's grace works and changes us and teaches us. So as we look, we need to know that, ask this question real quick. Do you believe that God is the same in the good times as He is in the bad times? Your answer is very important to that question. Is God the same when your plan unfolds as you desire as when it doesn't unfold that you desire? Is He the same God? Yes, He is. He is sovereign. He is good. He is the one that's shown mercy and called us out to be a blessing. The reality is, to be able to have a perspective to see good in bad situations and for all things to become good, we cannot see this or receive this if we're entangled in sin. If you're living in deceit, if you're living in this idea of lies, evil, you cannot see God's grace and His goodness. You can't. Confession is so crucial. Refrain from evil to experience this peace. This peace that surpasses all understanding. But what about when evil finds you and I out? What about we're good, we're coasting through life, and then evil shows up at our doorstep? It happens often. When out of left field something enters and you're like, whoa, I did not ask for that. My encouragement to you this morning is trust. Trust Jesus Christ. He's the one that grants peace that surpasses all 
that we can understand. It'll work out, but you've got to trust. Times are going to enter, and there we're going to find comfort in this peace that God gives us, but He promises us that if we flee from evil, He will give us this peace. So if we continue to refrain from evil, the Lord will hear our prayers. Live, confess, live with a clear conscience. Refrain from evil, because be warned, if you do not, you're an enemy of the Lord. It's two people we know. Sons of God. Sons of the devil. If you're working against Christ, you're His enemy. That's important to know. Because we know at the end of the day what's going to happen. And we are thankful and grateful for that. But in this life, that should give us confidence to go bravely. So, imagine relationships. Imagine relationships with this central aim to be a blessing to one another. Doesn't that sound so good? It should. It should sound good. But when the evil approaches evil, you combat it with good. In our marriage counseling, we often talk about, have you ever found yourself in a, in a discussion with somebody? And one's a little more heated and passionate about the debate or the argument, and the other is not. Oftentimes, that I've learned in my experience, being confessional, is that the one who is peaceful and calm, very resolved, very it's very hard to stay mad at one party that is approaching the situation in the righteousness of Christ. Meekness, humility, and confidence. Knowing that God's going to work out the argument. Even though we stand divided through that division, we can work and be united. So it's very important that we combat even in our marriages, in our relationships with our co-workers, that it's more than being professional. It's operating with the grace that has been granted to us by the power of the Spirit of Christ. So just think with that, a relationship where the aim is to be a blessing to one another. And, and in your marriage, you know, these, these are, are, are our acts and towards one another, our, our approach to one another, are they, are they blessings? When you know that there's a, a, a disagreement or something that needs to be worked out, I hope this morning you leave knowing that you need to train your mind and ask the Spirit to renew your mind and your heart that when you approach these conversations and disagreements and decisions, that your aim is to be a blessing to that situation. Would you agree that that changes the dynamic altogether? And then imagine a church that when we show up to this Oaks property or when we show up to home group or when we show up to a crawfish bowl or show up to a football game or show up to the different things that we all get together and do, that our aim is to be a blessing to each other. And we are a lot of times. And we do it naturally. But how important is it to be top of mind? That Lord, as you're driving, Father, let me be a blessing to somebody today. 
let me just, just give me a word of encouragement, a smile. Maybe there's a, a need. Father, slow my pace down so I can see it. That I'm not rushing from one conversation to the next. So we understand in our text this morning that we are called to bless. And we look back at the Psalms that I read, we see the relationship between the Lord and the psalmist. This reciprocal. It was an exchange happening. A relationship. However, when you and I find ourselves aiming to bless somebody, we know that there's going to be this blessing back. There's a promise there that we just read through. But we need to understand that when we look for this blessing back, that this blessing should not come from the one that we blessed. The expectation should be on our Father, the one who allows the blessing, who created the ability to bless. Just think about it. My aim is simple. To bless you as a church. And then the God the Father, as He sees fit, will bless me. But then take a step forward. As we look to God the Father to bless us, can the work of Jesus Christ be enough? Can it be enough? Our salvation, His mercy upon us, this concept of blessing in today's church combats consumerism. If we show up to a church family and our aim is to be a blessing to the church and to God the Father, and that's it. And in return, the music team who shows up to practice simply wants to bless you with song and bless the Father with song. I want to stand before you and proclaim the Word to bless you and also bless the Father. That's our aim. And if we stay in that line of thinking, it combats consumerism. It combats this comfort-based commitment to the church that I'm going to do things when I feel like doing things. Brotherly love is a stronger commitment than doing things when you feel like doing it. We must understand this morning Two types of people when you showed up to either bless or be blessed. And I believe in God's grace and mercy, He wants us to experience both. And He has made that possible. So as we leave, I close with Luke 6.28 straight from the words of our Savior. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you.